Welcome to Unconventionally Speaking, the PSA podcast where we go behind the scenes to learn about the triumphs and tribulations that help shape the careers of our Unconvention 2022 learning gurus and experience masters. Not only will you get a sneak peek into their session, you'll also gain valuable insight into the speaking business and tips on how to navigate the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Hello, Unconventionally Speaking podcast listeners. This is Kim Sealing-Smith, CSP, and I today have somebody that I'm really excited about introducing to the PSA community because, am I right, Brian? You've never spoken for PSA in the past, have you? It's a crime against humanity, but yes, that is true. That (laughs) That is true. true. Well, as you can tell from Brian's accent, which sounds like a little bit like my accent, he's from a not, I can't speak. He's, I am a professional speaker. You wouldn't know it, would you? You're a professional. Don't try this at home. (laughs) Exactly. He, like I, are not from around these parts, but I am working on my Aussie passport in addition to my Kiwi and American passport. Brian, I think, just has one, but he has many more accolades than that. Brian Walter, CSP, Hall of Fame member, past national president of the National Speaking Association in America, founder and president of Extreme Meetings, and husband of Karen Walter for 37 years. That in itself is an achievement. Welcome, Brian. It's fun to be here, even if it's just virtual, but I have been to Australia before, and I will again. Ah, yes. So unless I completely mess up this podcast, you will let me into the country eventually. (laughs) Uh, Eventually. No, we are letting you into the country now. The borders are open. I myself have been back and forth from the U.S. in November, so... Wow. Okay. Okay. It is possible. It is possible. But we are, Unconvention is online because we wanted to give people certainty and they're still, you know, they're playing whack-a-mole with our borders still. So you just never know. But anyway, as professional speakers, we are asked to provide show reels. I'd love for you to give us your two to three minute verbal show reel. What do you normally speak on? What wows your audiences? I can definitely do it in less than two or three minutes, although my video does a much better job here. So we provide a business called Extreme Meetings, which is customized infotainment to make meetings memorable. So it's all we're all about engagement and interaction. So we do customized game shows. We do parody music, you know, parody rock songs to celebrate people or kind of make unsung heroes sung heroes. I do uh, parody movie scenes, take famous scenes from movies, and then I revoice them. And have all the characters talking about the company. So, yes, Yoda, I can Yoda. (laughs) So, uh, do that. We do executive skits. We do audience pollings. We do what I call big moments. Like, let's say you want to really end on a big moment. And so we do one of the routines I created called glow stick choreography, where suddenly all the audience members at the end would pull up glow sticks, a pair of glow sticks, of course, in their matching branded colors. And then we would teach them some choreography moves. Then we hit the lights, music gets cuts in, and people are you know moving around and doing these you know, coordinated moves. And the point, of course, is show how much cooler it is when we're not individuals, but we're all aligned together. Oh. So, you know, we again, it's all about interaction, involving the audience, doing customized things all about them. So I'm not a traditional speaker. 
but I'm a professional engager. Oh, an engager. Well, that has come in handy over the last 22 months, hasn't it? It has indeed. Mm, we'll talk about that a little bit more. So we know that all Hollywood greats had a secret career prior to becoming famous. What was yours? Well, let's see. I started out in retail as a department store, department manager on the sales floor, and I despised doing that. But because I'd worked for a department store, I, we, my wife and I moved from Southern California, where we were called the Sweethearts at UCLA, and we moved to the Seattle, which is in the Pacific Northwest, or Vancouver South, that you Aussies might think that. Who knows? <laughs> and I became, a, and this was like 1985, like January 1985. A department stores, I believe they were first video producer because in the middle 80s saying we can make a video was magic. It's like, whoa, wow, what? We can make a video. And I knew nothing and I learned how to do that. And I went from there and I became a trainer. Then I became a manager of internal communications. And then the coolest thing I did, I was a broadcast TV and radio commercial producer for again, another department store chain. And then I was a director of marketing. And that's when I got involved with the National Speakers Association in 1997. And then this whole speaking MC thing took off. Mm. And that is my deep, dark past. <laughs> so what was the turning point? When did you decide, hey, this is a, you know, a cool gig. I could do this for a living. Well, I still remember uh, two things. I remember Hearing my first professional speaker, I was at a retail advertising conference in 1991, and the speaker got up like, oh, we're at a conference, and it wasn't an industry speaker. It was someone talking about the age wave, and they were talking about generations in the workplace. I think the guy's name was Ken Dykewald, and he was like, you know, a luminary now, but I still remember him saying it. It's like, you know, all the, you know, the World War II generation has all the money and they're going to be dying over the next 20 years, and they're going to give it to the baby boomers who will go on the biggest spending spree the world has ever seen. And I still remember what he said, and he did it such a way, like, wow, how do you do something like that? <laughs> I remember, that was like the motivation for doing it. The actual turning point, though, came 1998, when I had left uh, the department store chain, where I had been the broadcast guy and trainer guy and communications guy, and I was doing directive marketing at a training company. And the CEO told the director of training of the department store and said, remember that funny guy who used to work here? I need him to come back and do something about gross margin improvement during these large meetings that we're having. Get people, you know, motivated about gross margin improvement. And they went to me and said, Ira Pakel wants you to do something about gross margin improvement during these meetings we're going to be having once a month for six months. And I went, Sure. So you want me to create a custom gross margin variety show that's a meeting with a meeting once a month for six months? And they said, yes, can you do it? And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and so I made stuff up and did skits and music and all this stuff. Just no net. I'm just going for it. And it was the most exciting and scary professional thing I'd ever done in my entire life. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could do this all the time? That was the moment. Oh, right. And you took yourself along to an NSA meeting, and the rest is history. Ups and downs, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's my next question about ups and downs, because, you know, this industry is not for the faint of heart. And it does have, the Aussies wouldn't probably recognize this reference, but the, you and I grew up watching the wide, wide world of sports. The thrill of victory and the 
Yes. And the agony of defeat. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. And that's a little bit about, you know, the speaker's world. A little bit relates to the speaker's world. So tell us about a time. Did you ever have a time when you just wanted to chuck it all in? You wanted to throw it all in? You know, this isn't worth it. It's a- oh, you want to go right to the agony of defeat part. Ah, absolutely. I'll take you right to the edge of the cliff, Brian. Oh, it's like, you want to see the, like, the wipeout here. <laughs> I remember, so it's January 2009. We are just into, in the U.S., what we call the Great Recession. I don't know how much you had that in Australia. The GFC. We called it the Global Financial Crisis, or GFC for short. I see. And it which started in the United States and then infected everyone like a financial COVID. So, <laughs> so Australia, you're welcome. <laughs> So I remember I just, it was like January 29th, and I had just finished a pharma gig, and I looked at my calendar and said, the next gig I have is in June. Mm. This is not good, because I'm married, and I have two small children, and a house, and a dog, and- They all like to eat. This is not good. And I remember thinking, like I said, I used to feel like I was a lion on the savannah going, a wildebeest, yes, a giraffe, yes. And I said, now I'm a lion on the savannah going, I need a squirrel. I I need a squirrel. I need another squirrel. And I remember actually saying to myself, what is anything I know how to do that clients in this business environment will pay me $500 to do? And that's where I started. Like to me, that was like the scariest moment. But then that was also the turning point. So like that, like when was it like you felt the most defeated? Like, oh no, like what I'm doing is considered fluffy right now and no one wants it. Uh, Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. So how did you turn it around? Well, again, like many of our low moments here, like that just becomes the floor and we realize it's a trampoline. Mm, Yeah. And it's not just rigid. And so I remember like a couple weeks after I'm having that moment, you know, what's anything I know how to do that clients will pay me $500. One of my clients called me and said, hey, Brian, we're having a meeting coming up super fast. We were wondering if you could. I said, yes, yes, I will come to your meeting. I'll be the MC. They're like, no, 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 Brian. We're not having any outside people at this meeting at all. Like, oh, oh okay. Oh, how, how can I help you? They said, we've always liked your PowerPoint. <laughs> oh, okay. See, I'm in charge of, you know, my manager's PowerPoint. I'm wondering, can I hire you to do his PowerPoint? I'm uh Sure. She says, how much would it cost? And I said, $500. $500. And then she said, okay. And so, boom, I hired a freelancer, $250. Did it. Managed, I made $250. She calls me back right after the meeting. Hey, we're having another meeting, a larger meeting coming. I said, great. Do you want me to come in? No, Brian. There's no outside speakers coming. Uh, We were wondering, could you uh, do the PowerPoint for all of the presenters? Yes. Yes, we can. Did that. Another two weeks go by. You know, this is working out, so can we just sign a contract with you for the rest of the year? And at that point, I said, Extreme Meetings is now a multimedia production company. Oh. Mm. And that turned out, and so we expanded, and we did graphics and PowerPoint and motion graphics video and also other things like that. And so, you know, fast forward to the COVID thing here. I said, oh, this is going to be just like the Great Recession, except I can't go outside. Right. <laughs> so I didn't panic. <laughs> So that's how you got yourself through COVID as well? Uh, actually, initially, that's, I mean, that was the only thing that they were hiring initially. Everything, you know, shuts down. There's no meetings. And then people start doing Zoom meetings and virtual meetings. And then it's like, oh, 
we have to do something other than just be enthralled in the fact that we can see each other and talk, except when we're not on, you know, on mute. Right. Yeah. And so like, oh, we need presentations. Oh, we need videos. And so suddenly it's like, how fast can you create this video? Right. And they weren't saying, and how much does it cost? They were saying, how fast can you do it? Right. And you know, when you're motivated, you can be super fast. Oh, you can be. Yes. Especially with the likes of guru.com and Upworker and and you know, freelancer.com and other places to outsource some of the uh, some of the work with. That's awesome. So how do you, one of the things that is very common for speakers, well, for everybody really in business of any sort is leveling up. And speakers, we have our craft to hone. We have our business management systems or business acumen to hone. We have our back and systems to hone. And now we are our own AV techs. Isn't that exciting? Yes. And we get stuck at certain levels. And it can be a financial level. It can be a, a craft level. It can be a mindset level. Tell us about your methodology for getting unstuck and for using that as a trampoline. What is your bounce factor? A bounce factor, I would say two things. One is I made a Part of the brand of extreme meetings is we never say no. Mm. Now, here's what we do. It doesn't mean we'll do everything or because, again, oftentimes we get requests that are inappropriate uh, or impossible to fulfill. But we always say what we can do, not what we can't do. Right. Yeah. So for me, it's like my stretching moments almost always came from client requests. Is there – I don't know if you can do this. I don't know if anyone can do this, but is it possible that we could – absolutely. And now that I've said the words absolutely, which is another one of our brand words, it's like, I don't have a tattoo, but if I did, it would say absolutely. <laughs> my personal philosophy in life is assertive optimism, and my brand word is absolutely. Why say yes? If you're going to say yes, why not say absolutely? Because that's an inherently more positive and more motivating. And it's more assuring to the client. Can you do this? Yeah. Yes. Or absolutely. And then like, okay, they have that confidence. Now, absolutely then is, and I will now go figure out how to do it. So, again, there's different ways to push ourselves. And one is to embrace the opportunities that come your way. We all get the opportunities, but most of the time we shy away from them. And so my goal is to, as much as possible, embrace the challenges. I remember in you know, during that same time period, 2009 or I think it was 2010, when my hospital client called me and said, Right, um... Uh, you know, Ebola is, is come, sort of coming to the United States and we're one of the areas where we're prepping for. It could be hitting an area here. I need a motion graphics video written and produced in the next seven days about Ebola. Are you in? <laughs> Absolutely. Ah. I'm like, I get to write a video about Ebola? How fun. Who gets to do that? I mean, and there's words that I used in that, that video that we wouldn't say on this podcast. So again, it's the idea to embrace it and, Again, that comes from consulting, that comes from producing things, that comes from customizing a presentation, that comes from coaching. Everything that got me to go up another level, which because an opportunity was presented to me, and I said, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So how has your – it doesn't sound like you have a topic necessarily. Yes, that's the cool thing. Yeah. You offer a service. So how has your target market evolved over the years? It's funny. It sounds crazy, but the target market, I don't have a super targeted market because 
Like, I'll tell, let me take you down to the lowest note. The lowest time in my speaking career was right at the beginning. So I've joined the National Speaker Association in 1997. Even though I had that cool thing in 1998, I was a slow learner. And I thought, well, I was able to do that because I used to work here. And so for 97, 98, and 99, and 2000, I kept doing things for places I used to work. Mm. But I wasn't recruiting other clients because I said, I have speaking chops, but I don't have a topic. Here was the sentence I used at the time. I know something about everything, but not everything about something. Mm -hmm. I could say, are you a customer service expert? Well, I worked for an apartment store chain and I was a department manager for six months. No, that's not an expert. Are you a management expert? I once had 13 people reporting to me for a year and a half. That's not an expert. Are you a sales expert? I've sold things. That's not an expert. Are you an advertising expert? Well, I, I did that for a while, but then I didn't like it and I stopped. That's not an expert. Are you a marketing expert? Well, so no. But on the other hand, do I know a little bit about it? So yeah, so I didn't. I knew a little bit about everything and I was getting depressed. I said, I cannot be a speaker because I'm not an expert in any one thing until a past person that I work with referred to me apparently to an insurance company. I remember the day I got a call. Brian Walter, this is Bob Schmedlap with Pemco Insurance Company. We hear you're an expert at making boring meetings interesting. Mm. Uh, yes, absolutely. That's true. <laughs> Who told you that? Uh, they say, yeah, we're having a conference coming up, and uh, we'd like you to uh, make our you know sales conference uh, less boring. Can you do that? Sure, yeah, absolutely. And the only thing I knew about the insurance company was 10 years earlier, they had dropped me as a client. I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> I love it. I wasn't going to mention that. And then I agonized over it, and then it went just as well. And at that moment, I realized I'm the king of customization. That is my magic. It's not a topic. It's a skill set. Mm -hmm. And so when I say I don't have to define myself in a traditional speaker sense, I speak. Mm -hmm. But I, I use the customer's content, and I customize it into engaging ways. And that's what makes me a category of one. So I went from, again, that low to an opportunity presented itself, and I was able to discover something about it. So now that I have customization, it's like, uh, who are my uh, you know, targets? Like, well, uh, medium-sized organizations that have carbon-based life forms working for them that have meetings. <laughs> yeah, that narrows it right down. <laughs> Definitely narrows it right down. So how did you get into, I want to talk to you a little bit about what you are going to be leading us through during unconvention. Yes. And you and I sort of have this running joke, uh, not so joke, because your name came up from a conversation where I said, and I quote, I hate panel discussions. If I never had to lead another panel discussion, I would be the happiest person in my life. And the person that I was talking to said, well, you know, panel discussions are a necessity of life. What if we could do a panel discussion that didn't suck? And I went, oh, tell me more. And I was introduced to you. So tell us about how you got into panel discussions, how you can make them unsuck, and what you'll be leading us through during unconvention. Well, there you go. We are at the unconvention. We're going to be doing a session virtually, of course, with real PSA members on a panel. So we're demonstrating panel. But, you know, we're demonstrating different types of panel techniques, interview techniques with live members in real time. Now, I'd like to say the whole point of a panel is to get people to spill insightful 
and snappy ways. Ooh. That's the whole point. But that almost never happens. That almost never happens because just like people like to say they hate PowerPoint. Oh my gosh, we just, we should ban PowerPoint from the planet. It's the word. It kills more. Oh my gosh, it's horrible. On the other hand, if you were to say, how much of our brain exists to process visual information? Most of it. So to get rid of slides is stupid. To get rid of bad slides or to get you rid of PowerPoint using bit bad, that's what a challenge is. So the first thing you do is like, don't think of it as PowerPoint. Think of it as your visuals that engage people. So the same thing with panelists. Like panels are a great idea. It's just they're almost never done in an engaging way. But you can structure it. So we're going to demonstrate probably 10 plus different techniques that every single member or attendee, I should say, attendee of the unconvention can do themselves. Now, I think that the reality is that every professional speaker at some point will be either asked to or presented with the opportunity to moderate and produce a panel. Yes. And the smart ones are going to say, absolutely. Because it's a value. It's like panels are there, but we all know deep down that most of the time they suck. So when the client goes to you, they're coming from a place of fear and need. Like we're going to have this panel. And the unspoken thing is, and it's probably going to suck. And I'm in charge of it. And I'm terrified. And I don't know what to do. Could you possibly save me if I throw money at you? And you want to say, yes, I will take that. Now, whether you use that skill set to protect your fee so they don't charge you less, I'll add this on to what I'm doing to protect my fee. Or you will charge more. Great. Okay. So you've got a little bit of you know, incremental more budget to cover that. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Like, boom. Okay. Now you are a professional moderator. Ah. And so this is a business opportunity and a skill set that every speaker should have because you don't say, hey, could you help us with that? No. Exactly. Why would you say no yeah. when you this could be a skill set? Well, especially since, you know, the definition of speaker has been broadening over the last probably two decades and certainly COVID opened it wide up. So, you know, panel moderation, not only are we as speakers doing conference speaking, we're doing training, we're doing consulting, we're doing moderation, we're doing facilitation. So I'm assuming that some of these skills can be applied in different areas as well, doing senior leadership facilitations, doing interviews with maybe stakeholder interviews at the beginning of a consulting engagement. So I'm assuming that the skills that you're going to be teaching us are translatable throughout a couple of modalities. Well, you assume correctly. Ah. You assume correctly. Now, think about it. What is the difference between a talk show, a panel discussion, late-night TV show interviewing, a podcast, a one-on-one -on -one interview in person on stage? All of these things are doing the same skill sets. The only difference is the number of people and the technology they're using to broadcast it. Right. They're all the same thing. So the idea of people sitting down and talking is universal. Every culture has the equivalent of a talk show. Right. Without exception. Right. Without exception. You can go from Saudi Arabia to Australia to, you know, Canada down to Argentina. It's like, okay, well, turn on the TV. Oh, there's a talk show. Yeah. So humans are naturally to do this, but we aren't sitting around our kitchen table with our friends drinking vino and just, you know, talking, which is probably the best way to do a panel discussion. <laughs> but we're in business, so we have to do it differently. So we're just going to unlearn at the unconference 
how to do it the wrong. We're going to like, this is the wrong way. We're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it the engaging way. So we're going to show them. In fact, dare I say, when the session is done, every single person will be thinking, oh yeah, I can, I can totally do that. In fact, I look forward to moderating a panel. Oh. And if they don't, I'll eat my hat. But I'm not wearing a hat and I won't be bringing a hat. So <laughs> that's not really a risk. You'll eat your virtual hat. Yes. Exactly. Yes, exactly right. So I'm going to ask you to, before we close with rapid fire questions, I've got one last question for you. And that is, pull out your crystal ball. Let's gaze into the future 10 years. Now you're an active member of NSA in the States. Yes. Mm -hmm. You have been in my proverbial shoes many times before convening convention, which is highly regarded. Yep. Many of our podcast listeners, many of our unconvention and convention attendees attend Influence every year. Take us out 10 years. What do you see for the speaking industry? Will we be virtual? Will we be live? What will we be doing differently? What will change and what will stay the same? Well, that, I, that's such an easy question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yes, uh, like you, I plan on being in this future in 10 years. I'll be older and I'll be completely Botoxed up so you won't be able to recognize me, but I'll look like, like a big baby or something like that. Here's what I predict. It's like the level of complexity with technology and presenting is going to create some specialists. So I think, again, the distribution of content is going to get blended and more complicated because you know, you've talked about VR. It's like, okay, all meetings will be hybrid. I mean, when you think about it, you know, already TV right now are like, well, virtual presenting, that's stupid. What do you think TV is? What do you think live TV is? That's virtual presenting. I mean, but they have production values and crews. Well, but all those things that used to take tons of money and tons of crews can now be done by one or two people. My cousin's a husband is a broadcaster in a small market in California in the United States. And we visited them and we went into the studio and I saw him while he's talking to us. He's finishing editing a little program. He puts it out there. He walks out onto the set. We watch him. He's, you know, wearing shorts from the waist down here, standing behind the deck. He's operating his own teleprompter with a foot pedal. And then he's got everything timed, blah, 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 blah. Now we go to commercial here. And then yeah, he starts talking to us, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it is, he just feels what 30 seconds feels like. Oh, hold on a second. And we're back. And I thought, he's doing that all himself. And that was, that was about 10 years ago. So when I fast forward to the future, it's like, okay, will there be, uh, you know, some sort of VR? Of course there will be. But still it comes down to us talking to lenses and multitasking in the moment and reading, and being able to communicate, and listening to cues, and having music, and other people involved. So I think it's going to go into two channels. I think there's going to be what I call niche performer speakers, who are able to use all, but like a little more entertainment, a little more shock value, like the people who are the, you know, the motivational, make you feel, they're going to be using all these technologies, and it's going to be a little more scripted, and it's going to be a little more performance-based. It's still speaking, but they're going to be using all of these whiz-bang things. I think the other will be what I'm calling multi-channel communicators. That it's like the idea of this, oh, I just make a 45-minute speech in person, then leave. That's going to be a dinosaur relic. Mm, yeah. Because it's like, okay, well, how are you engaging the audience? Before, during, after, super duper after. You know, are you going to be engaging individuals? How do we get access to you? How do we get your products, your books, and, you know, I mean, notifications, all of the stuff, text from you. There's going to be this expectation. If you're truly an expert, you're going to have a multitudinal 
number of ways to communicate with them. And if you're a topic expert, you're going to make, take advantage of all of those. And social media has been training us that, but it won't have the harshness of social media because it'll be more you direct and having exchanges about content rather than politics or, you know, the issues of the day that we are just so mean in communicating with each other. So that's what I predict for the future. There's going to be niche performance oriented speakers who can use all of the latest, coolest digital technology and presentation, you know, skill sets. And then there's going to be those who are traditional experts who use multiple channels to get out their communication. So that's my prediction. You heard it here on the Unconvention Podcast 10 years from now. Of course, when the time they hear this, when will this? This will be uh, 2022, so 2032. 32, exactly right. Is when we should come back and see if I'm right. Excellent, excellent. Well, we'll make a date to do a follow-up podcast in 10 years. Okay, so we are going to close with our rapid fire. Are you ready? Rapid fire. Ready. Rapid fire. Flavor it, flavor it. <laughs> yes, again. Flavor, flavor. Professional speaker. Professional speaker, ladies and gentlemen. Favorite online platform? Uh, clearly Zoom, no question. It's made me thousands and thousands of dollars and kept me alive and thriving with my clients. Zoom, 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 zoom. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Favorite tech hack? URL forwarding. So again, you using a polling platform, a QR code, or you want someone to, you know, you have a website you want to get there. And rather than saying, go to BrianWalterSealingKim'sBuddy.com backslash free download backslash for you, you know, dash 47, today's date and your birthday. I mean, like a lot of times you hear speakers say things like that. They're like, what the heck? I can't know that. Instead of going, uh, just go to Brian'sFreeStuff.com. And they go there and you've has that automatically forwarded to the link that you aren't telling them. Yeah. So again, so I buy custom URLs all the time and I forward stuff and that's why I love it. Oh, I love that. Love that. I am going to take note of that. Favorite productivity hack? Self-bribing. If you finish this deadline, you get to go watch a movie. You finish this deadline, you get to go in the jacuzzi. You finish this deadline... And then some other positive thing happens. So I have to bribe myself to get myself to do certain things I don't want to. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Favorite meal? A tie between shrimp and grits and any type of really good lasagna. Shrimp and grits. Where did you grow up? I nowhere where you make shrimp and grits. I was going to say. That's why it's novel. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a southerner. I'm just Kim. I do not grow the place in Louisiana where they got shrimp and grits. No, I'm in the Pacific Northwest where we don't even have an accent. And <laughs> right. there's no shrimps anywhere near us. I think the Aussies would beg to differ. No shrimp and grits near you. Uh, that's, I'm not going to say anything about a shrimp and a barbie. I did not say that. I did not say that because I know you hate that. <laughs> yeah, we don't say shrimp. <laughs> we don't say shrimp. They're prawns here. Now, I have been asking that the previous Americans that we've had on the podcast, I was asking this, and I realized I'm asking the wrong question because I'm clearly getting the wrong answer. So I will ask, yes. the question is your favorite holiday spot, but for you, Brian Walter, yes. American, where is your favorite vacation spot? Oh, so they were answering like Christmas with their family and stuff. Weren't they? Yes. Oh, I get to. And you're like, what's wrong with you Americans, right? You're like, I'm saying English, you know. 
Brian Anani, who the podcast listeners will have listened to, the mindset experts that we're bringing in. Brian Anani said, Nona's house right back there. And I was like, you vacation at Nona's house? And then the next American that I interviewed, she started talking about holiday destinations. I went, oh, right, vacation. <laughs> so, vacation. Yes, vacation, vacation. I would say Puerta Vallarta in Mexico, in Mexico. Oh, it's a good one. It's a good yes. one. So, and the most important thing is we have friends who have a timeshare there. So all we have to do is fly there and take them out to dinner and it's oh. free. So that makes it even better. And when you're in your friend's timeshare in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, are you drinking wine, beer, gin, vodka, or tequila? Uh Actually, for me personally, none of those. Of course, I'm applying my wife with white wine because that's her Prosecco actually is her drink of choice. Me, I, this sounds crazy, but my cold beverage is lemonade and my hot beverage is a caramel chai tea latte. Oh. oh and everyone nice. chooses me as the, you know, the designated driver. So I'm very popular. <laughs> yeah, very popular. And funnily enough, about 70% of our podcast guests have been teetotalers. So I see a trend coming. The program is full of teetotalers. I'm not sure that was not by design because I am not. My drink of choice is tequila, being from Texas. If you could have a dinner party with any three people in the world, living or dead, who would they be? Okay, weird combination, but Abraham Lincoln, you know, the 16th president of the United States. Oh, very well. Fascinating president. Not personally, but yes. Jane Goodall. The she's still alive. The primatologist. I grew up watching her with the chimpanzees, and she's still alive, and she's still doing her thing. I think what a fascinating life. What stories that she could tell. Jane Goodall and Winston Churchill. Oh, because to me, he again, he was that mixture of you know, born in eighteen seventy five, eighteen seventy six, and he like, and he just he was like the old world, you know, Victorian you know, times through the modern era. It just. And all the things that he experienced and led and things like that. And I hear he's a great con he was a great conversationalist. So that would be quite the dinner table conversation. Quite the dinner party. Lincoln, Jane Goodall, and Churchill. Excellent. And last question. Favorite book or podcast for professional inspiration? Ooh, this is my favorite one. It's a podcast called Hidden Brain. Hidden Brain by Shankar Vedanta and or Shankar Vedanta and he does is I will call it like practical psychology, like why we do what we do. So it's they research things like, you know, the psychology of the imposter syndrome or like, you know, why are Americans so much crazier than other nations in certain areas or, you know, why do we buy? And so it's all these practical psychological things. And I'm able to grasp a concept and work it into my consulting or speaking with clients. And so there's been numerous times where I've gotten a concept there. And then I look so intelligent when I just drop that like a truth bomb. Talk, well, of course, you've heard about this study that shows that both, oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know. And so I'm able to graze that once a week and seem so much more intelligent <laughs> than possibly I am. <laughs> no, no, I don't believe that. Well, Brian Walter, CSP, CPAE, past national president of the National Speaking Association, Speakers Association, it has been a supreme pleasure to have you on Unconventionally Speaking, and I look forward to seeing you in 2022 at Unconvention. I will so be there, and if I show up somewhere in Australia looking for it, I'm not going to find it, am I? No, because it is all online. Probably. I guess. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, so I'll stay here. Okay. <laughs> Great. See you then. 
See you then. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unconventionally Speaking. We have over 30 unspeakers of this caliber at Unconvention on the 25th and 26th of March. So grab your seat today. Just click the link included in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you know who would also get value from this conversation. And follow or subscribe to the show to ensure that you never miss an episode. See you all at PSA Unconvention 2022. This episode is sponsored by your podcast concierge, podcast production for speakers who want to increase their authority and generate leads from their show. You press record and let them do the rest. And to this, I can personally attest. <laughs>